Saving money on exterior wall lights. Now at Menards. Find your style with Patriot Lighting. Exterior lights enhance the look of your home. Choose from over 50 options from Patriot Lighting. Now through May 19th, get $10 instant savings on a single qualifying purchase of $100 or more on in-stock outdoor wall lights. Check out our entire selection of outdoor lights and see the rest of our deals happening now on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 460 of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Jill. Hi, Adam. How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm good. I'm hot. It's very warm. It is very warm. Yeah. Um, it's very warm. I, uh, I know we're both doing Peloton classes. Um, yes, indeed. And I'm like, I'm using them in between when I go running and stuff. And yesterday I was going to go running. I took my dogs outside in the afternoon after work and it was like, it was a type of hot where I walked for like five minutes. I was pouring sweat and felt like I couldn't breathe. And I was like, I'm going to do a Peloton class because it is. Ugh, so yeah, bad. they have a, oh my God, we should totally put our handles in the notes. Anyone wants to follow oh, us who yeah. also has Peloton. Sure. Um, uh, yeah, so they have like their outdoor stuff. Um, walk, you can do outdoor walks and runs where it's audio only and it tracks your mileage for you. Yeah. Um, so like Peloton has like those challenges or whatever. And I was doing the, the July monthly challenge of like so many miles and because I don't have the fancy Peloton treadmill. I have to do <laughs> outside. <laughs> so right before, so I like take my walks in the morning. Um, and I wasn't able to take it until like right before this. So I'm like all sweaty because I didn't have time to shower. So, it's so warm. Yeah. Also, it's we so should, warm. We should clarify. Uh, we're not sponsored by Peloton. We, we are not both, sponsored by Peloton. <laughs> yeah. We just both very much enjoy it. Um, yeah. Both like I do have, I have one of the bikes, um, but also the app. Like we've, I've given it to like all of my friends because you can have like 40 users. And mm-hmm. so the, yeah, the app is great. It's, it's very entertaining. And the music they, they pick. There's so many options. Okay. I'm a fan of the music, yeah. Yeah, all right. That's a probably enough, uh, probably enough Peloton promotion. Um, okay, before we get into what we're gonna do today, do you want to tell people how they can get a hold of us, and then I'll kind of explain what we're doing. Sure. So um, you could go to our website, professionalbooknerds.com. Uh, we have our social links. We are on Twitter and Instagram at probooknerds, and you can email us at professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com. Yes, you can. Okay, so. Uh, if you were all living under a rock the past week online, uh, Hamilton came out on Disney Plus. The, what? the I know, crazy. The uh, like theatrically produced version of the play or the musical, rather, that was on Broadway, and it was very, very well done. And I watched it a couple of times. Um, I do love Hamilton. I'm on record of saying that I like In the Heights better than Hamilton, but that's another story. However, as I was thinking about it, um, I know that Lin-Manuel was inspired to write Hamilton by a book, which I'll get into in a second, um, that he actually read about Hamilton. And I was thinking, like, Jill and I are both giant Broadway and theater nerds. And we've done a couple of, like, stage to, I don't remember how we described it, like, page Page to to stage. stage. Page to stage episodes in the past. But I thought we could do 
like we'll tell you a little bit about some of our favorite musicals and then if you enjoy those here are some books that you can read that either have similar like plots or, or whatever so uh, we'll put all the show notes in but we'll just we'll kind of go back and forth and we'll tell you a little bit about a, a musical and then we'll tell you a book um or or two whatever however many we have so the first one i did if you do like hamilton which most people seemed to um but one of the interesting things that happened online after it came out was there was all these people who got to watch it for the first time that were like hey here's some historical inaccuracies and Lin-Manuel Miranda was very open like on Twitter it was really cool he was like you're right that we obviously took a few liberties here and there he's like I had two and a half hours of stage time to try and tell all these stories so there's going to be a little bit of stuff that is missing in the life of Alexander Hamilton and everyone involved so you want to get more information about Alexander Hamilton and his life. The book that Lin-Manuel was actually inspired by is, Hamil is Alexander Hamilton by Ron Chernow, who has done a ton of books like this. But that's, that's just like the general background. But if you want something similar to Hamilton, and for the other musicals, we can explain what they are. I don't feel like I need to explain what Hamilton is. Um, it's a bit in the zeitgeist. <laughs> um, a little bit, a little bit. So if you are interested in that time and would like um, maybe some stories that aren't told through Hamilton, Revolutionary Mothers is a really cool book by Carol Birkin, and it's the women in the struggle for America's independence. So uh, Hamilton admittedly does focus a lot more on the men of the revolution, you know, Hamilton and Washington and Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson, all people. Uh, but of course, there were countless women who were also involved. And so, um, you know, a lot of them were active at home, organizing boycotts of like British goods and raising funds and stuff. But there's also a ton of stories about women who were fighting on the front line, um, including like women like Margaret Corbin, who um, was crippled for life after she took her husband's place beside a cannon at Fort Monmouth. So um, much is the case in a lot of history uh, men tend to get the uh, majority of the writing about because they, for much of history, have been writing the stories. So it's really cool. Um, Revolutionary Mothers is a really interesting way to look at all of the uh, the women who were involved in the American Revolution as well. So that's Revolutionary Mothers by Carol Burke. And then again, I'll, I'll talk more about the other ones, but Hamilton is Hamilton. So Hamilton is Hamilton. That is fair. Um, okay, so my first one, uh, the musical is Mean Girls, which is based on the movie uh, classic, classic Lindsay Lohan film. <laughs> and it was, turned into, it was turned into a musical, which is actually really, really good. I liked the musical. I saw it when it came through Cleveland. God, it was not that, like, just right before all this. It wasn't that long ago, but it feels like seven years ago. It was. It was also, I think, the first musical I'd seen where they did, uh, how would I describe it, a set. Like, it's not big sets, like you would it's like imagine. Stripped down. It's stripped down, but they use, um, like, uh, like mo not movies, but it's you really like hard to... Like the like, cardboard cutouts and stuff, I mean? No, 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 no. no. They had the screen screens. Oh, my God screens like the whole stage <laughs> wow wow the whole set is basically screens uh big screens and so that they can sort of make look like a classroom or make look like a locker yeah uh, area the class you know what i mean it I was really cool i'd never seen a um a uh a play musical do that before so anyway so if you don't know um when tina fey wrote uh 
the movie Mean Girls, she used the book Queen Bees and Wannabes by Rosalind Wiseman. Sort of, that was sort of the um, inspiration, I guess. And this is a book that uh, is all about the, the subtitle is Helping Your Daughter Survive Clicks, Gossip, Boys, and the New Realities of Girl World, which, yes. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, so this is a book, you know, if you are uh, a mother of, or I guess a father of a um, teenage girl sort of on that precipice of middle school and high school, man, the world sucks at that age. So, <laughs> and girls can be mean and... <laughs> hence Mean Girls. Um, And so this just is sort of about helping girls navigate that. Um, Honestly, as an adult, sometimes it's still a struggle, but Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So I just, I think it's helpful to know that, you know, like the movie is funny and the musical is funny and, you know, Regina George gets what she deserves in the end. But um, there's like, there's like real world life applications like the you know like the story of Regina George and the girls like that don't exist in a vacuum like they're not just like created out of thin air without some kind of actual click um and gossip stuff happening and I feel like these days it's probably even worse to be a teenage girl so yeah yeah I can imagine you have a teenage girl in your life that you're helping try to figure out who she is at a time when other girls are just mean queen bees and wannabes is the book for you yeah as you were talking I was, I was thinking about you're right i the like stage production it's almost like the use the screen that's like 3d mapping to like mm-hmm. project the visuals of each yeah, set it is really really cool it's really cool it's hard to describe though yeah no you're that's totally fair yeah um okay my next one is cabaret which uh we've both talked about a fair amount and i'll get to a fun episode in a second from way way long ago um but cabaret is set in 1931 berlin and um, the nazis are rising to power and it it focuses on the nightlife of this cabaret called the kit kat club and it's kind of it's very like seedy and it also revolves around the story of this american writer cliff bradshaw and his relationship with uh, Sally Bowles, who's a cabaret performer, um, who she's English. And then overseeing the whole thing is the master of ceremonies, who is just like, one of the best characters in the history of stage production, in my, in my opinion. Um, but it's a really interesting look at not only the rise to power and all of this stuff going on in Berlin at the time, but um, the Master of Ceremonies side story is it really, um, it also shows how they, those people at that time viewed uh, Jewish Germans and really Jewish people all around the world. So Cabaret, the musical is incredible and you can actually go with, there's a, um, a movie version of it as well from 1972 if you want to take a look at that. But um, they're somewhat based on these two books that were written in the 30s by Christopher Isherwood um, called The Berlin Stories. Um, so we actually have both of them separately on Overdrive. Um, a lot of times if you go to purchase them, they are just like stacked as one novel, which they call The Berlin Stories. But the first one is called Mrs. Nor- or Mr. Norris Changes Trains. And the second one is called Goodbye to Berlin. And they're both very, very fantastic. And they kind of follow... A similar time. They're set in a, a similar time frame, like the early 1930s, 
Um, and the first one is all about this English teacher, William Bradshaw, who starts this like friendship with um, a kind of sinister guy who is sexually deviant and spends a lot of time in kind of clubs and things like that. Um, and it's again, kind of similar to the actual structure of Cabaret. And then the second one, Goodbye to Berlin, um, is more so about pre-war Berlin and um, Sally, it's kind of like Sally Bowles story. So they're both really interesting. If you like Cabaret, you'll like both of those. It'll give you some more background. And speaking of the Master of Ceremonies, uh, made famous by Alan Cumming, who if you go way back to episode 73 of our podcast, uh, we sat down live here in Northeast Ohio with Alan Cumming and like 600 of our, of, of our new friends at the time um, when Alan was in, he was in Cleveland to do a Playhouse Square event, but he also did a interview at the library that we got to host. So um, episode 73, you can hear us interview Alan Cumming and we do talk about cabaret because we have to. Sometimes I, I'm just like, was that real? Um. <laughs> Ridiculous. <laughs> um, okay, so the next musical I'm gonna talk about is Jagged Little Pill based on the Alanis Morissette album, which was a defining album of my childhood. Not really childhood, I was like 13, but you know what I mean. Um, and I was supposed to see Alanis when she went on tour. Like, I got canceled because of, you know, COVID. <sighs> anyway, so Jagged Little Pill. Um, they took the album and some of her other music and they turned it into a musical. And uh, which I think just, like, it's not that old. I mean, it's only, you know what I mean? Like at the beginning of the year, I think is maybe when it started. And in the, the musical, um, you know, it starts with, the mom, Mary Jane, who's known as MJ, and she is writing the family Christmas letter. Um, and she's talking about how, you know, the husband had a job promotion, the kids are doing well. She was in a car crash, but she's okay. You know, she's doing like natural remedies and yoga to feel better. Um, and she's writing this in the Christmas letter. And what she's not putting in the Christmas letter is actually that things are terrible. She's addicted to painkillers. Um, she and her husband aren't getting along, you know, like there's stuff with the kids and the first book I have, I have two for Jagged Little Pill. The first one is actually Dope Sick by Beth Macy. This was a book that came out um, a couple of years ago and in it, Beth Macy goes into um, detail examining the opioid crisis that we have in this country. Um, you know, I think a lot of times you think any kind of drug addiction and opioids come up frequently. You think of, you know, rural areas and um, people who maybe, you know, are like lower class, but it, it's one of those things that as a painkiller, like white suburbia is <laughs> what comes up a lot and big pharma and local doctors and all that. So this is something we're dealing with in this country and have been for a while. And so Beth Macy's book, you know, sort of looks at that um, opioid crisis that is happening, which is, you know, tied to that, the mother um, in Jagged Little Pill. But if you're looking for a fiction book, my recommendation would be Little Fires Everywhere by Celeste Ng. Um, I'm sure you like, it's possible you've already read it. It was big when it came out. And of course there was a Hulu TV show, but if you haven't, the family um, 
in the book, uh, there's two families, but the one is a uh, an sort of upper, you know, middle class family um, who are like picture perfect from the outside. And everyone thinks they have this like great life. They have this huge house in Shaker Heights, which is a suburb here of Cleveland. Um, and, you know, everything looks fantastic. But if you actually get to know the family, there's a lot of secrets happening. Um, and it's just one of those things where putting up this appearance to outside people and sort of hiding all of the stuff that's really happening and um, families struggling to connect because of all of this internal stuff that they're all sort of dealing with. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think I'm, now that you have read Little Fires Everywhere, I think I'm the last person in the world who hasn't read it, but I did watch the show. How closely... This is probably just for me. Everyone else probably <laughs> How closely did the show, like, did it follow? It did. There were some um, small deviances towards the... Deviance, that's not the word I meant. Um, changes towards the end. Um, doesn't matter what, I'm not going to say. But yeah, yeah. for the most part, um, it follows it very closely. What's interesting is that in the... So there's two families, right? There's the Richardson family, who are uh, the white family, that's Renee... Um, uh, Zell oh my god, wow. wow, I'm on my second cup of coffee and I'm Incredible. still not like <laughs> Reese Witherspoon. Like, I can picture her in my mind. Where did that mm -hmm. come from? Reese Witherspoon's family is white, they're white in the books. Um, the other family, which is uh, a mom and her daughter Pearl, um, Mia and Pearl, I don't think. Celeste actually says what race they are, and I think that's very purposeful. Mm -hmm. um, they cast, uh, it's, you know, it's a black mother and daughter, which has a very interesting dynamic, especially in a place like Shaker Heights. Um, yeah, which I, I liked. Um, yeah. But for the most part, like, the core elements of the book and themes of the book are in the adaptation. There's just some small changes here and there. Gotcha. Cool. Um, my next one is A Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder. Uh, so this is set in London in like the early 1900s. And uh, it centers around the main character's name is Monty Navarro. Uh, he's this clerk who doesn't have any money. And he's informed that um, after the death of his mom, he's ninth in line to inherit this like huge wealth and earldom of um, Highhurst. And it's controlled by this wealthy family called the Dysquits. Um, and they are a banking family. And so, uh, after like this ruling, uh, Lord, the Lord kind of dismisses Monty's claim of being a relative. And then the eight dice clips ahead of, uh, of Monty start dying in like natural and unnatural ways, um, and very, very humorous ways. And a really interesting part about the production of the musical is that all of the Dysquiths who die all eight of them both male and female are played by one actor and the actor does like the one that we saw in Cleveland at least just does an incredible job of like very it's one of those like traditional comedies on stage like he's like over like way overacting all of the death scenes and stuff it's very it's very humorous and the music is really unique um, and then there's also this other story of Monty trying to uh, win the hand of a person of a, of a female who is 
very very drawn to the to his money um and so it's just it's very convoluted but it's also really really funny and it's it's a lot like the movie clue um that i i would say but like it's just slightly different i thought originally of recommending um the seven and a half deaths of elon hardcastle uh because that's kind of along it's you know same thing like murder mystery type of a thing but um that's a bit more serious uh the Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder is uh, very, very funny. And so there is a novel called Skippy Dies by Paul Murray. And it starts with um, Skippy, who is this 14-year-old boy at um, a Dublin college. And like the opening scene is like he's dead on the floor at a local donut shop, which obviously seems very, very dark. But this book is hilarious. Um, and it's trying to figure out, the entire book is spent like, figuring out how Skippy died. And there's all these insane characters that um, could possibly be uh, connected. Like there's a friend who is this genius who's determined to open up a portal into a parallel universe using string theory. And um, there's this one uh, other teenager who is a drug dealer and kind of psychotic. Um, there's also like a wannabe rapper who might be it, or there's a headmaster who is like, reminds me of uh trumbull from her turnbull what's the name of the matilda the trunchbull trunchbull thank you uh reminds me of trunchbull um who's like very like um ruthless and just all they want to do is modernize this like there's all these insane characters and you're trying you, you never really know what's happening until the end um and they're just so wildly different from each other uh and so much happens it's just wild and so it's like I said, if you want like a murder mystery, but one that more lean towards like Clue, like where it's like kind of fun and um, you can sort of have a, a light, breezy read, Skippy Dies by Paul Murray is really good. Also read uh, Seven and a Half Deaths of Even Hardcastle if you, if you want. It's very good, but it's more serious. Um, did you ever see the musical Matilda? Have you seen that? Yes. Oh God, it's so cute. Those it's kids so, are it's like fantastic. amazing. Um... Okay, so my next one is actually two somewhat similar musicals. Um, the first is Beautiful, which is about Carol King, and then Love Janice, which is about Janice Joplin. Um, Beautiful has been on Broadway. Love Janice is like off Broadway um, and regional theater, including, I guess, the Cleveland Playhouse many, many years ago. I had no idea. So, you know, we have these two female singers who kind of came about um, in the same time in the 60s, although they represented very different types of music. And there's a book called Girls Like Us, Carol King, Joni Mitchell, Carly Simon, and the Journey of a Generation. Um, and so it sort of examines, uh, again, it's like the same sort of time period of women in music. And if you like the Carol King musical, if you like Love Janice and just sort of want to know more about this particular generation of music history um, and the women who represent it, um, girls like us. And then Carol King herself has actually written a memoir uh, called A Natural Woman, which, great title, Carol. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> <laughs> can't really go wrong with that, uh, which if you love Carol King, like I love Carol King, um, you can you can read all about Carol King in her uh, in her memoir. I do love me some Carol King. I was just gonna say I would I would judge anyone who doesn't love Carol King. I found a vinyl of Tapestry uh, oh. 
I think at the Cleveland Flea several years ago, um, and immediately bought it uh, yeah. because how do you not? And even as I was putting this list together, I was like, you know what? I haven't listened to in a while. Tapestry on vinyl. <laughs> oh, that Carol King's uh, "Beautiful" is so so good. I, man, I was like, I ugly cried during during that um well i should say like both with both of them love janice and then um beautiful they obviously use the music of the singer in question so it's like janice joplin's music and then it's carol king's music are are the framework as they tell the story of uh the lives of these singers so yeah good stuff carol king was very much um my parents uh wedding song is you've got a friend by the day of the james taylor version but sure um, the lyric, the song was by Carol King, and so we listened to a lot of James Taylor and Carol King. I haven't seen Love Janice, but I really, really want to. Um, I was thinking about this too when we we had interviewed Kiko Ageni from Gilmore Girls. Like Carol King is in the show as oh my god, it's like this. <laughs> I I honestly forgotten all about this until I was working on like putting together my list today. She plays. She's like the owner of a music store. Um, in Stars Hollow, um, and I don't remember, I don't think her name is Carol King in the thing, so she's not like Carol King, Carol King, but at one point in the show, they're trying to put on a musical, and Carol King comes in to, like, the, the group meeting, and, um, or, like, the brainstorm session, she's like, hey, I have this music, can we, can we check it out? I don't remember what song she plays, but it's one of hers. But again, it's not Carol King as Carol King. It's like this record store, like music store owner yeah. who's playing Carol King music that she's trying to like, you know, within mm-hmm. the, sh- the the universe of the show she has written. And they're like, yeah, no, I don't think so. <laughs> it's like so self-referential in like the best way possible. Um, also for people, because I forgot until this exact moment just now that we had interviewed Kiko. We did. Uh, Kiko played Lane Kim, like you said, on Gilmore Girls. And if you guys want to listen to that, that's episode 255, which I just looked up while Jill was talking. Because I was like, you literally were talking. I was like, oh my God. Yeah, Yeah. that did happen. That did happen. And it was right around the time, I think, of the Gilmore Girls on Netflix. Because we Mm -hmm. we asked about that. So yeah, I can't remember if it was before. It was just like right around that time when it it came out. Oh, man. This is a blast. Sometimes that happens. Oh, yeah. Oh all the time i can't like i can't think about people always ask you know when i'm talking to someone at a conference or they're like so who are some people like you didn't expect to be great that you guys interviewed and then i have to like almost go to our own website and be like um let me remember who we we've spoken with it's been so many of them Um, there have been a lot (laughs) all right so my next one is kinky boots which is just one of the what a fun musical um did you know that the music was written by Cindy Lauper? I did not. Didn't know that either. I was doing my research. I was like, oh my gosh. That? It makes sense though. So Kinky Boots is um, much like I think all, I, I honestly think all the ones I picked might have been Tony Award winners for Best Musical. I didn't mean to do that, but I think it might, they all might have been. Um, so Kinky Boots tells the story of this factory owner whose name is Charlie. His family has owned a shoe factory for generations and he doesn't think he wants to be a part of the family business. And then it basically gets handed to him. And he's like, ah, oh, it's, and it's failing. He doesn't know how to save it. He doesn't know what to do. And then he meets Lola, who 
is a, um, not cross I, it's something, I don't know if it's technically drag queen at that time, but basically a drag queen. Would that be accurate? I, I have not seen Kinky Boots. I do watch RuPaul's Drag Race, and they have talked about Kinky Boots. Okay. And I I have gotten the impression it's a drag queen, but not having seen Kinky Boots, I don't know for sure. Yeah. Okay. So I think technically it's a drag queen, but they do talk about cross-dressing on there. And so what ends up happening is they form this unlikely friendship, and they're trying to figure out how they can save this factory. And basically, and this isn't, this, the, the plot is not as important as the music and everything, so this doesn't give way too much. Um, they realize like there's a huge industry for uh, drag queens and people who are cross-dressing for boots and like high heels and stuff for men uh, to be able to support like their different frames and stuff because it was like I wear regular high heels and they just snap Um, and there's this whole thing and so there's obviously the the shoe the people who work in the shoe factory initially you know they're generic white men so they hate the idea of of this at first and then everyone kind of comes together and uh happiness and sees but the music is so freaking fun um and so i have two. First one is reverie by ryan lasala who has been on the podcast before and i even messaged him last night i was like hey i'm shoehorning your your book into a recommendation for kinky boots because i love it so much he's like absolutely totally honored so the reason why uh reverie is a young adult fantasy that I'm going to uh, go back and just listen to the episode with him because it's going to be impossible to describe this book in like a couple sentences, but it's basically like inception meets the magicians. Like there's all this magic going on and all of this stuff. Um, it's crazy. And there's these worlds within the world that like just you, these people who have this magic can go into these worlds and then they have to save the people who are in them and they're trapped. All this is to say that the villain is an evil sorceress drag queen named Posey, who is like probably my favorite character of any YA book in so so long um so and it's also there's not a ton of fiction there's not nearly enough fiction with drag queens um and so this was this is one that I really really enjoyed and then as a non-fiction uh there is a book called The Asylum by Simon Doonan who is very very famous in the fashion world which is hilarious that I'm talking about the fashion world a thing I know nothing about but even I know who Simon Doonan is so um, he spent like a lifetime in the like the fashion industry. The fir- the thing he first became really well known for was like he's jokingly called himself the world's most famous window dresser. Like he is the guy who like he would do like a window thing for a high end fashion company where it'd be like a little wolf stealing a child and the mother not noticing and they're all wearing high end clothes and like all these just, like crazy things. Um, but he spent his life in it, and this is a story of all of these, uh, like, there's a book of a collection of real-life stories about all these insane things that he's seen in the fashion world. So, um, you know, these, like, models who refuse to work because they're terrified of ghosts and, like, going deep-sea fishing with um, a really high-end couture artist and randomly, like, their jail, their recently out-of-prison friend, or, like, um, watching... uh, these people who are extremely famous like losing their minds in the back end and stuff and it's just like it's been called the david sedaris of the style universe which is like a perfect way. like this to me would be a, an introduction to the fashion world that i would like i would read and i would be excited about because i'd be like i don't know anything about high-end fashion but i'm all for like weird hilarious stories of people that are trying to act like everything is perfect around them so whether you're into fashion or not uh the asylum by simon Dunan sounds really really fun now that I'm reading about kinky boots, I really want to 
I may have to start listening to music immediately. Oh, you're going to love it. Done. Oh, it's so good. The music Does is so the, good. I mean, I see Billy Porter, so. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that's going to happen then. Yeah, um, I, you, sh- you can probably figure out, you'll figure out very quickly who, who he is. Oh, yeah. no, I, it says, I'm reading the Wikipedia, um, but as soon as yeah. I see Billy Porter, my eyes get all like. Or, yeah, he's, a pre- yeah. I'm almost certain he's the original Lola. It, yes, that's what it seems to be. Yeah. Um, okay, so my last one um, is the musical Hades Town, which. <laughs> had this and then I removed it. Uh, um, well, so maybe you have other sh- books you can share then. So this is a musical um, that tells the uh, ancient Greek myth of uh, Orpheus and Eurydice. This is, of course, the one where Eurydice is down in hell and Orpheus has to go get her. Um, and it the music is just... I don't even know how to describe it. Well, I, I will tell you, this is what I can tell you. This may help. Um, so the uh, the music is by um, an artist named Anais Mitchell. She had, um, she's like a folk singer. She had previously worked with Ani DeFranco. Um, in fact, when they did a concept album of Hades Town, um, Ani DeFranco sang the role of Persephone, which is just bonkers so to me. Um, <laughs> And in fact, one of Ani's, um, one of her uh, musicians um, helped with the musical because I saw Ani um, here in Cleveland last year, right around the time of the Tonys, like after the Tonys and after Hades Town, like won everything. Um, just is. days, I mean, it like took everything or it seemed like it. Um, and, uh, where was oh yeah so Ani um one of her musicians had like missed a couple of concerts because he was in New York City <laughs> at the Tony Awards <laughs> winning uh winning for Hades Town yeah so it's it's so good the music is so good there is a reason it won all the magical awards uh-huh. um <laughs> and so the book I picked um which just go with me on this one is uh, A Little Life by um Hanya, uh, I think it's Hanya Yanagara, which I talked about um, a few months ago. I read it at the beginning of all of this, thinking it was going to take me a while because it's like 700 pages and I read it in like two and a half days. Mm-hmm. Um, this book basically broke me. It's it's so good. And the, the story of Orpheus and Eurydice um, comes up often in the book a little life um one of the characters is a filmmaker and one of his first films was sort of a modern retelling of this and then if you sort of look at the relationship relationships but um the sort of core relationship in a little life of this idea of like following someone into hell to kind of save them um but also that person kind of being in a place where they're like it's not so bad You know, I mean, it's not great, but I don't know if I necessarily need to come back. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, so, yeah, it, it's a it's a difficult read. I will not lie. Um, again, it, I, it basically broke me. Like, it took me, like, days to recover after reading that book. Uh, but it's so good. And Hades Town is just a lovely, wonderful musical. Yeah. And I can't, I can't even, I don't even know how to describe the music in it. 
it's It's so sort of jazz and like kind of folk and like that's (laughs) exactly that's the thing it's like it's when there when you go to see a musical or like when you watch Hamilton because that's what everyone is doing right now there's like um there's music that flows throughout most musicals where like and a lot of times when you have the overture like it sort of sort of like sets you up for knowing what you're going to hear Town starts with like jazz and it feels like you're in New Orleans and but that's like not what you hear most of the time it's almost like it depends on who's singing yeah like if it's Hermes or if yeah it's, yeah it's crazy oh my it's, gosh it's so good though it's so um good. so my one of my the book I was thinking of is what dreams may come oh, a good one that's a good so, one okay so it's by Richard Matheson um, it was originally written in 1978, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's about, a, there's the main character's name is Chris, and he dies and goes to heaven, but descends into hell to rescue his wife. Um, so can you follow along? Um, there's a movie. Oh boy, is there a movie? Um, there is a movie. God, I remember that movie. Robin Williams, Cuba yeah. Jr. Um, Heesh. Yeah. Uh, what dreams may come. It kind of follows a similar-ish plot. It does, and, um, yeah. I actually looked up. Matheson explains, like, the characters are completely fictional, but almost everything else is based on research. Um, on, like, what people talk about seeing when they think they're dying and all these mm-hmm. things. So, what dreams may come. Um, but yeah, also, <laughs> you'll cry. I hear you're gonna cry. Um, on a lighter note, I'll turn us back around. Oh, listen to Hades Town. Oh my God, listen to Hades Town. The music is so good. So good. Um, my last one is the producers, and this is a, I have a selfish reason for wanting to talk about this one. So, um, okay, the producers is a musical that is adapted from the Mel Brooks um, film of the same name. Uh, the, the lyrics, music, and everything was written by Mel Brooks. It's phenomenal. It's the story of these two Broadway. Uh, like theatrical producers who they make this scheme to they want to get rich by like completely overselling the interest of a, a Broadway flop um, and then what happens is this Broadway flop that they create that's all about Hitler like springtime Spring for, for Hitler, Hitler. <laughs> springtime for Hitler which is like well, just one of the best songs of all time um, it turns into a hit and then they're just like, Jesus, what do we do? And so the, one of the reasons, this, I think this one at the time, a record amount of Tonys. Like it literally swept it, the Tonys. It did, yeah. Yeah, 12 Tonys, actually, I'm looking up right now. Um, so one of the reasons it was so, so big is there's all these like show business inside jokes and like the people of Broadway and love it. And they have all these ludicrous accents and like caricature, caricatures of homosexuals and Nazis. Like a thing that Mel Brooks is very, very famous for is like, basically his thing has always been um people were always so afraid of the nazis i'm gonna spend my career making fun of them because they don't deserve to be you don't you shouldn't be you shouldn't be afraid of them that only gives them power you should insult them and realize how insane they are so the producer is just i love it so much i love the musical i love the movie um i was recently having a conversation with my mom and i don't know how it came up but she told me she hated the producers and i like almost had to leave her house i was so upset i was like mom this is come on what are you doing so the reason why I'm recommending these two books is Mel Brooks, uh, his best friend was Carl Reiner. And Carl Reiner passed away last week. And I was very, very sad. Um, he was in his like late 90s. But for those who might not know, um, Mel Brooks and Carl Reiner, like the past several decades together, like they would watch Jeopardy and old movies together. And they're like best of friends. And like to me, they just reminded me of like, of like the Statler and Waldorf of the entire world. Like they're everyone's grandfathers. 
And so Carl Reiner passed away and I was really, really sad uh, last week. And I continue to be really bummed out just because like Carl Reiner is one of the funniest human beings that has ever walked the earth. Um, Mel and Carl were very famous for their 2000 year old man. Um, but Carl Reiner was also on uh, your, you know, your show, uh, your show of shows and the Dick Van Dyke show um, and all this time or all this stuff. So I have two books by him. One, uh, they're both kind of biographies. One is my anecdotal life, which he wrote um, relatively recently. And it just tells the story of his life through uh, your show business and how it got started and all of these just incredible stories about Hollywood and um, television history and Broadway and uh, it's so much stuff. Um, and then the other one is called Enter Laughing, which I'm actually re-listening to right now because he does the audiobook. And it's kind of like a biographical novel. It's this short novel about this uh, 17-year-old kid who gets his start in acting through a very strange way in this small theater troupe. And it's somewhat realistic to how Carl Reiner got started. So um, my anecdotal life and Enter Laughing are two really great books by Carl Reiner that he wrote. And you can also listen to the audiobooks because Carl does both of the audiobooks himself, which is fabulous. If you are only somewhat familiar with the last name Reiner and wondering why I'm not mentioning Rob Reiner, Rob Reiner is his son who gave us Princess Bride and when Harry met Sally and a million other things. But yeah, the Reiner family, the Reiner family and the Brooks family, those are two relatively successful Hollywood families out there. So yeah, yeah, they are. Yeah, they are. So, I was going to say something while you were talking about all that. And I don't remember what it was. Um, Mel Brooks, Carl Reiner. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Producers. Okay. Yeah. Listen to Hades Town. Also listen to all these that we talked about, but listen to Hades Town first. It's so good. The producers is fun. Yeah. yeah I remember really seeing fun. that. Yeah. Uh, there is a story about Billy Crystal talks about it where um, he's really close with Mel Brooks and uh, Mel Brooks was trying to get Billy Crystal when he got done with his uh, one man show, 700 Sundays, which is on Broadway. Uh, he'd done this huge run of it, and, and Mel Brooks was trying to get Billy Crystal to play one of the main characters in The Producers. And he's like, You know, you'd be so great. It would just be fabulous. It, I can't, you know, he, it's really, it's like a, a show. It's been meant for you. And he was like, I don't want to play the character that Matthew Broderick made famous for like thousands of performances. He's like, I couldn't possibly be, you know, the, the second or even third version of his character. And Mel Brooks goes, you wouldn't be the third. You'd be the 11th. And Billy's like, well, why do I care then? If I, no way. No, thank you. Uh, so, yeah, I just think, oh, yeah, great stuff. Anyway. That's hilarious. Yeah. Um, so those will obviously all be in the show notes. Um, yeah. Those, I thought this would be a fun thing. And then. Jill's working on something. I'm working on something. Yeah. So I'm going to do it. Yeah. So obviously, um, or last weekend, yeah, last week, like 4th of July weekend, there were two, let's just say big cultural zeitgeists that showed up in pop culture and, um, streaming. So today we talked about Hamilton and next week, um, we're going to talk about the other one. That's all I'm going to say. If you know what I'm talking, if you know, you know, it's going to be a lot of fun um because it's not gonna be your usual thing either i'm i'm very excited so that's all i'm gonna tell you figure it out on your own um be surprised if you would like a clue i will not be involved that you may help this a <laughs> that is that is a, a good clue that is a good clue yeah um oh i do want to mention speaking of things we're doing next week on a much more serious note um okay 
glad that you said that because I wouldn't have remembered. So um, this is coming out on Thursday, July 9th. A week from today, Thursday, July 16th, Jill and I are doing a Zoom kind of virtual event with uh, Kimberly Jones and Yili Siegel, who are the co-authors of I'm Not Dying With You Tonight. They've both been on the podcast a couple times. I interviewed them um, like a year ago, struck up a friendship with them, and then I went, up, went down to Atlanta and interviewed them because they were also a big library read title um, selection back in November. So they've been on a couple of times. I've gotten to be friendly with them. And um, their book, I'm Not Dying With You Tonight, is about two young women, one black, one white, who go through a kind of a, a race riot that sparks up in a night and they have to rely on each other to survive. And it is told through both of their perspectives. Ely is white, Kim is black. Um, so recently, Kim did an interview uh, about a month ago about explaining why black people, African-American people, BIPOC people, why they are so infuriated by everything that's going on and why it's just, why the everything going on with the Black Lives Matter movement is so important and just to try to create some context for people. And it was a six minute video um, called How We Can Win. And it went insanely, like literally millions and millions of views. Mm -hmm. um, she was on Trevor Noah's show, The Daily Show. Um, she was on the- John last Oliver week, too. Maybe? Last week tonight, yeah. yeah. Um, Oprah shared the video. Lizzo shared the video. Um, the, there's like the amount of people. It's in, LeBron James shared the video. So uh, suffice to say, she is huge and extremely important. And she keeps. She's been using this notoriety to continue to raise awareness and talk about extremely important social justice things. And she's just I, she's so amazing. The fact that she's now getting you know. Extreme, an extreme amount of attention and her and Geely's book is getting a bunch of attention is not just because of her her speech, it's because it's amazing. But um, they're a New York Times bestseller now, which is great. And to keep everything going with our Black Lives Matter community read program that Overdrive is doing, uh, they agreed to do this event with us. So I will put a link in the show notes. Sorry, that was a long description. I'll put a link in the show notes if you want to register for this. It's a 500 person limit. Um, so it, I hope it sells out. Um, so when you hear this, go to our show notes and definitely click on it to register and you'll get a link to go on uh, next week. But uh, we're going to interview them for a while, have a conversation about social justice and racial inequality and everything uh, for the first kind of half, maybe 40 minutes. And then we'll spend some of the time at the end taking questions from people for Kim and Yili. So please, please, please sign up for that. Or we can remind you guys again on Monday's intro um, and I'll, I'll put it out on, on Twitter and whatnot too. So yeah, man, am I glad you mentioned next week. It's great. So we'll have a lot of fun next week and then also a lot of good information stuff going on. Mm -hmm. Okay. Is that everything we think? I believe that is everything. Awesome. Okay. Well, I hope you guys had some fun with this. I, we had fun putting it together. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen podcasts, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Adam Sokol and Jill Grunewald and presented by Overdrive. For more information, visit professionalbooknerds.com. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. 
Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.